Good morning, everybody. It's uh, May 3rd, Sunday morning, and I want to welcome you to church and welcome you to our time to study the Word, study the Bible. It's great to be together, miss everybody, and uh, can't wait till we can actually meet in, in physical bodies again. But, uh, but uh, it's been incredible how this has all worked out. Uh, I'm excited about today, our study today, and and uh, jumping on in. But actually, before I get into the sermon, um, there's a couple things I want to share about. This is actually Global Communication Sunday. And there's a couple things that we want to be, uh, that I wanted to share. I was asked to share actually about just reminding everyone how we're communicating around the world. And what does that mean around the world? Our fellowship of churches, our little family, the International Churches of Christ, we're about 711 churches in 150 countries. We have a, a, an attendance, Sunday attendance, about 131,000. Um, the great news is we're, we are growing, not as fast as we'd like to grow, but we've added about 90 new churches uh, in the last five and a half years. And uh, about 40% of our fellowships in the United States, 60% of it is outside the United States. And we're a family, uh, we're, we're, we're organized in 33 different family groups. Our church, the metro region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ, we're one of 33 different groups. Our group is the Southwest United States. And uh, it's a great group. Love this group. That's California, Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico. So uh, that's us. And, and we communicate. We stay tied together because we love each other. Basically, we don't have a formal organization. And, the, and, and a lot of the ways that keeps us connected is One Disciples Today and Kidogo, Kidogo is, is, is our new, uh, video programming and video podcasting and of churches around the world. Uh, we, of course, we have other sources. We have the Hope Worldwide. We've got the teaching ministry, uh, icocleadership.org, leaders.org. And, and the, a new one that's exciting, womentoday.international. So these are all, uh, inter-church organizations that keep us all together, that keep us all tied to one another so that we stay a family because a family stays connected, right? We, we know that we're, we've, uh, jumped to that, uh, just even in the last few weeks, we've learned a lot about that. So anyway, so the, the, uh, that, that's our, that's our international global study. I just wanted to remind you that, um, this is, we're a big family and this is how we stay connected and to use those resources we've been given. So let me jump into our sermon today. Now the title today is Fearless. Fear less. And the reason why I've, I've kind of gone full circle about six, about five or six weeks ago, I started out with a whole series of no fear series because it was just really when everything began, right? When everything was getting going and there was a lot of initial fear. I think we kind of got into a groove, but, but there's an, a mounting level of anxiety that is, I think, significant. And there's several things happening and coming down the pike here that I think are kind of stirring up a lot of fears and anxieties. So uh, I, I really wanted this to be a little more practical and leaning towards the practical side of just helping us to ground ourselves, to center ourselves, to base ourselves in Scripture, in Jesus, in God, in what is right, what is good, to help ourselves so we can help others, right? So fear less. That's our title today, May 3rd, 2020. Okay, so we're bombarded with news. We're bombarded with information. 
I mean, we're just getting it from everywhere, from our phones, from our TVs, from our computers. We're surrounded by it. You know, it used to be that if you want to know what's going on in the world, you got to turn on the six o'clock news. Now it follows you around. It's in your car. It's in your, it's at school. It's in, it's in, in your house. It's in your pocket. It's in your bedroom. It's everywhere. News about this and about that and about this. And it, it can be overwhelming. I mean, it, we, we know this, but let's just stop and recognize that it can, we can get flooded with bad news, with concerning news, with alarming news. Some of it we understand, some of it we don't understand so much. And of course, the overarching news has been all about the coronavirus and how that is impacting everybody and how that's changing the world and how that has impacted our globe like nothing in history ever has. I mean, just the, the impact of this little virus that you so tiny you can't even see it. And yet it has impacted our entire planet in a way we will never forget. I mean, in a way that will mark time by this. And hopefully we don't look back and say that was the first of many. Hopefully we look back and say, okay, that was the first one where we had to learn a whole lot of things. Um, of course, just seeing the news and what's happening and funerals and sicknesses. And I mean, that's, that's, that, that gets to us. And, uh, and by this time, most of us know somebody who's either lost somebody, who's gone through the hospital, who's gotten sick. So we, we, we have a better idea of how dangerous this thing is. And, and it's just lurking out there, right? We're wearing our masks generally. We're, we're trying to be careful. We're trying to be cautious. And yet we know there's so many ways that that little virus could slip by and reach us, right? And so there's still a level of yikes. You know, we've got to be careful. Um, of course, if those of us who have money in the stock market, wow, what a wild, wild ride that has been. And, and all of us have finances that, that are being affected by this going up and down. And how's the money going to go? There's talk about banks closing. There's talks about that, that, no, that's not really going to happen. You know, we'll ride this. The global economy is resilient. We'll be fine. No, we won't be fine. And we're hearing all this stuff. Not to mention then, you know, things closing, are things going to open back up? Plus the impact of that, of how many people are losing their jobs. And, and you know, we have friends who've lost their jobs. Some of us who are listening right now, we don't know where we're going to work next, where we're going to, our next paycheck's going to come. Or some of us are friends of those of us who don't have jobs and we're trying to figure out how we're going to help them, how we're going to take care of each other. That's a lot of stuff out there, right? And then you add that, there's a growing tension right now between the in the political world as the elections are only you know a half a year away they're not that far off and things are mounting up and you begin to see more and more stuff getting put on Facebook and people are you know talking about each other and saying different stuff and and it's getting tense out there and it's going to get a lot more tense out there so I think we've really got to get focused and based in God and, and there's this overriding fear of them because the world is constantly being drawn and framed in us versus them, right? The world is, it's the work of Satan. God is, since Genesis, God has always been about pulling everybody together, building unity, building family. And Satan has always been about pulling everybody apart. And it's amazing how easy it is to divide people. You know, we will first divide by race. That's just a natural thing. Oh, they're different than us. They don't do things like, we'll divide by language. 
Oh, no, they don't speak the same. I don't understand them. We'll divide by culture. They're weird. They're strange. They eat weird things. They do strange things. And us and them, we, and even if we're the same race, speaking the same language with the same culture, we'll divide by, oh, you're darker, you're lighter, you're richer, you're poorer, you're, you're from that part of the family. You're from this. You, you can have a family that has all the same characteristics and they'll divide up by who they're close to, who they're not close to, or politically, or there's, we're just, we're just, it is our sinful nature. And it is what Satan does. He divides us up. It's getting hot right now. Satan is coming after us, trying to divide us up even more, trying to cause more problems and more divisions in the world. But also that world, we live in the world as Christians. So it creeps in, it drips into the kingdom. And we gotta be really, really careful. You know, that us and them can get really out of hand. It can be Republicans versus Democrats, Americans versus foreigners, white versus black, righteous versus ungodly, good versus bad, which is kind of how we feel about it all, no matter what the categories are. Watch out. Don't let Satan do this to us. And this is all on top of the other anxieties and stresses that are out there that are mounting. And so you can already feel it just from what I've been talking about. You can already sense this division that can feed fear, which leads to anxiety or causes dread or stress or uncertainty and even throws in hopelessness and doubt and depression. And we get grouchy. We got grouchiness. We get angry. We get discouraged. We get incorrigible. We get, as we say in my neighborhood, as scared. You know, we get mad. We get troubled and, and we can walk around up tight and get just carrying all this stuff. And then meanwhile, we're doing all of this, going through all of this while we're sitting in our living rooms. And, and what we don't realize is, is all that stuff is triggering our fight or flight systems. You know, we see things on the news that bothers us or somebody puts something on Facebook that bugs us or, or our spouse says something or our kids do something again. You know, we told them already not to do that or, or, you know, that we, they left their cup out again or whose night is it to do dishes or, or did, did, did you put your clothes away or didn't we talk about this already or you did something and then somebody can't seem to can't wait to point it out to you. And, and you're just like, give me a break. I've got a lot going on. I'm dealing with the world falling apart and you want to talk to me about leaving my socks out. And it causes the fight or flight syndrome in us, in humans. And that's a very intense thing. I think most of us know what that is. But in case you don't, let me give you a quick review. The fight or flight system is built in by God into our bodies so that if we ever have to flee from a predator, we can. Or if we have to take a stand and fight a bear attacking us, we can or somebody else. And what does it do? Well, it's it's a physiological emotional, mental change that prepares you to do this to save your life, right? So the hidden effects are your brain prepares, adrenaline is released, your blood pressure rises, your liver releases glucose, so you have lots of energy for your muscles, your digestion slows down, pretty much shuts down, so that energy can be diverted to your muscles, your legs, and your eyes, your pupils dilate so you can see better, Your butter, you get butterflies because your blood is being re, 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 reorganized, and set where it needs to be. Your metabolism increases so you can burn that energy quick if you've got to run. Cortisol is released so to depress the immune system. I mean, all these physical things that you don't even see. Now there's things you see, 
your pupils dilate so you can see better. Your, your mouth goes dry. Your, your neck and shoulders tense. Your hair stands up so you can feel and note everything. Your heart pumps faster. Your sweat glands open so you can cool your body in case you got to run and you don't, that way you don't overheat. Your sweat glands open. Your hands sweat for cooling. Your muscles tense for action. Breathing gets shallow and you hyperventilate so that you can get oxygen to your muscles. All that happens which would be great if we were out on the safari being attacked by a lion, but typically we're probably sitting on our living room couch when all this is happening. So no wonder we get on each other's nerves. No wonder we snap at one another. I mean, it's kind of a wonder that we don't just all out attack each other sometimes, right? Well, you say, well, you know what? It actually happens. It's called road rage, you know, and I think sometimes it can be, it's sometimes it's called cabin fever. You know, which is what we all are kind of going through. And, and we're stuck together and all this is happening in the background. So you can see what the problem is here. And, and, and you get all the stuff going on out there in the world and it affects us. There's no way you, I mean, unless you're living up in a mountain with no TV and no Wi-Fi and no, no cell phone, it's going to affect you. So what is a Christian to do, you know, and, and, and we're plugged in. I mean, look, look at us. We're just, we're sitting there. Now, what we'd like, we'd like to be just this happy family, having a good old time. And, and, and I'm sure we're having some of that too, right? Hopefully you're, you're, you're having that too. But we can't deny that the other one's happening too. So we have to deal with it. We have to deal with the fear, the doubts, the, 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 the tendency to snap and argue and bite and attack, which all of it is rooted in fear. All of it boils down to fear of what somebody might do to me, what some, how somebody might hurt me, somebody might misunderstand me, somebody might judge me, somebody might, you know, and, and stupid little comments turn into big problems, right? Watch out. This is why our Motto this year, our theme this year is what? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, when we set that motto, when we set that goal, when we chose that scripture, we had no idea what was coming. Well, it's here, baby, and it's affecting us. And it's affecting the entire world right now. And, you know, our weaknesses are coming out at home. And it's affecting us at home and wherever there's a weak link, snap, right? So we're seeing what, what, what are the limitations of my faith? How, how what, where, when do I run out of peace? When do I run out of joy and self-control? It's being tested. It's being tested. Give yourself a little break there. We've never been through something this big. It's being challenged. It's being tested and weakness gets revealed in this kind of a situation. Fear, anxiety, dread, stress, uncertainty, hopelessness, suspicion, doubt, grouchiness, depression, insecurity. We get anger. We get discouragement. Incorrigible, uptight. We get scared. We get troubled. We get restless. We get mad. We get, we, and we just worry about all of that. And we have to deal with it. But thanks be to God, we have the power of the resurrection to help us.
we have Jesus. 365, you remember that? That was from the very first lesson I did, no fear. 365 times God tells us, fear not, have no fear, do not be afraid, you have nothing to fear. 365 times. Whoa, coincidence? I don't know. I think he wanted us to think about this every day of the year, right? I love this scripture. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Did you catch that? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. What's dismayed? Discouraged, down, bummed out. It's a modern translation. Don't be bummed out. He says, I am your God. I am your God. I am your God. Your God is the I am. That's your God. That's someone else's God. That's someone he helped 5,000 years ago or 3,000 or 2,000 years ago. Your God who strengthens you, who helps you, who will uphold you with his righteous hand. That's awesome. But you have to be aware of that. And you have to make that real in your life. Because you can ignore this, walk away, act as though there's no God, be a practical atheist, and suffer all the consequences of that. Or you can walk with the Lord and get that help and that strength that he offers us. To have, to be able to say, as it says in Psalm 23, remember we started with Psalm 23. We started with this. Fearless, yea, though I walk, and it's an old version, but yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. If you didn't memorize it back then, memorize this part. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe the shadow of death is my living room right now. Or maybe it's my backyard, or maybe wherever it is. Maybe it just follows me around. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. His rod and his staff comfort me. They comfort me. In the presence of my enemies, he sets a table. How awesome is that? My cup overflows. He puts oil on my head. And all the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How awesome is that? But I tell you what. You read it, feel good. Two minutes later, you forgot it. That's why we memorize it. That's why you say it throughout the day. That's why you repeat it over and over and over. So that it gets ingrained in here. So that it sets the patterns of our thinking. So that it chases out all that garbage we just talked about. Here's what you need to know. I got three quick points for you today. Who? Know who you are. Who are you? Know who you are. Is it your Republican or Democrat? Is it Americans or foreigners? Are you an American? Are you a foreigner? Are you white? Are you black? Are you righteous? Are you ungodly? Are you good? Are you bad? No, that none of that is who you are. Might be what you do. Might be what you espouse. It might be what you signed up for today or for this life or this 
election or whatever, but that's not who you are. And I, and I, and I beg us to remember who we are. We are children of God. That's who we are. This other stuff will be gone. We'll be wiped out with the coming of Jesus. What really matters is who we are. Who are you? Us versus them is really God versus Satan. Kingdom versus the world. Holiness versus worldliness. Light versus darkness. Saved versus lost. That's really what matters. That's what counts. Who are we? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him. This is Jesus in Mark chapter 3. You remember, you, you remember what happens in Mark chapter 3. His family comes. And, they, and they're, they're trying to pull Jesus out of what he's doing because they've forgotten who they are. They have forgotten. I mean, Mary, Mary had a visitor from heaven. Mary had an angel come and speak to her. But she forgot who she was. Remember that whole thing, I am the Lord's blessed and da 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 and the, the song of Mary, we sing it at church. And I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but she'd forgotten and it happens to anybody. We can forget who we are, but I want you to just look and read, read with me because I'm going to read this. It says in verse 20, then Jesus entered a house and again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. They'd completely forgot. They were out of their minds. They'd forgotten who Jesus was. They'd forgotten who they were. I mean, you know they knew an angel spoke to Mary. And Mary had forgotten. You say, how could that happen? It happens to all of us. Don't judge her, because it happens to all of us. We forget the miracles. We forget all that God does for us. And we forget who we are. And it says, it says, and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. The Pharisees and teachers of the law, they didn't even know who they were. They thought they were somebody else. Ambassadors of a dreadful God who doesn't have any patience, mercy, kindness, or grace. They had a major identity crisis. But Jesus' own family suffered from identity theft. They forgot who they were. And so Jesus called them over to him, verse 23, and began to speak to them. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. That's a good note right there. Don't let politics divide you. Shame on us if we let worldly politics divide us as the family of God. A house divided will not stand. He says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and he is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. Let nothing separate us. Let nothing be a stumbling block to each other. I got a funny story. You see this rock? Two days ago, three days ago now, I went over to film the morning devotional and I parked across the street from Turnwell's house and I'm walking across the street and all of a sudden my ankle just 
went sideways. I stepped on this rock. And I'm holding two Bibles, my big giant Spanish Bible, my big giant English Bible. I'm holding some books. I've got my phone in my hand. I got my wallet in my hand. Everything went flying. And next thing you know, I'm laying face down on them in the middle of the street. My knees all scraped up, my ankles throbbing. I got blood coming out of my hands and other places. And, and, and the first thing I do is look around. Did anybody see that? Nobody saw it. I expected his neighbors to come running out. Nobody did. I don't, I don't think anybody saw it. So I gather my stuff together and limp into the garage. Turnwall sees me. He's like, what in the world happened to you? Just little rock. This little rock. I stepped on it just the right way where it twisted my ankle. The Bible tells us don't be a stumbling block for your brother or a stumbling rock. Don't do anything that causes your brother to stumble. We need to remember that. House divided cannot stand. He says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, People can be forgiven of all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he was an impure spirit. What were they doing? They were blaspheming Jesus. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent someone to call him in, or to call him. A crowd was sitting around, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And listen to what Jesus says. Listen carefully. Stop whatever you're doing and just listen to what Jesus says. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Remember who you are. You are the family of Jesus. Don't let Satan scare you. Don't let the world scare you. Don't let life scare you. Don't let it rob you of the confidence you must have as being Jesus' family. His daughter, his son, his brother, his kin. That's who you are. Remember that and how he feels about you. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Who's that? God and God alone. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. This is one of those 365 times. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And that's the truth. The only... The only one we should fear is God. And that being, I already did a whole lesson on that. 
being respect of our creator, being respectful of the one who will judge us, the one who stands before us on judgment day, the one who loves us, the one who searched high and low for the lost sheep, the one who tore up their house looking for that lost coin that was you, the one who ran with a robe and sandals to hug you and put a robe on you and to put a ring on your finger. That one. That's our God. And that's who you are. His kin. His kin. His familia. What a great thing. Know what you are. But you are a chosen people. You were picked by God. You know, the most dreadful thing is be on the playground when it's time to pick teams. Unless you're a star athlete, it's pretty much a horrible experience for everyone else. He chose you. I want you on my team. He chose you. That's what you are, chosen. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're the bridge between God and this world. A holy nation. You are the people that God calls his own. You are his country. You are his nation more than you are any other nation. And more importantly, you are God's special possession. His special possession. That's what you are. And you need to know that. You need to know that that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. Ah, once we were with this, that, and the other thing. Just like the world. But now you are the people of God. Know that. Once you had not received mercy. Nope. You were accountable for your sins. But now you have received mercy. Praise God. You are the recipient of mercy. That's what you are. And why? Well, it's still in that same verse. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So you can tell everybody about God, about Jesus. That's why we're here. It's why we don't get baptized and whoosh, get shot up into heaven. Because there's more to save. And you wouldn't have been saved you wouldn't have gotten any help. I wouldn't have gotten any help unless somebody stuck around to help me. Unless somebody went after me like the lost coin, like the lost sheep. Unless somebody showed me God's love so I could confidently approach him. That's why I'm here to tell the world how good Jesus is, how good God is. And that's why you're here too. And even in the middle of all this trouble, and you got to understand, what you are feeling as a child of God, imagine feeling without God, which is where most of the world is at. And so we are here to tell the world about God. And I'll close out with some to-dos. Here's your to-do list. Your daily quarantine questions. What am I grateful for today? Tell God. Tell others. Who am I checking in on 
or connecting with today. Because we need to stay connected. We don't know how hard it is for our neighbor. We don't know how hard it is for brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. We need to know so we can help each other. Number three, what expectations of normal am I letting go of today? There's some things we just got to let go. We got to let go. We got to trust. Let go. Let God. Not worry about stuff. What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? What about this? What about that? We're in God's hands. It'll all work out. Number four, how am I getting outside today? Now we tell us, we got to go outside. We got to go pray. We got to go look at the sun. We got to go look at the sky. We got to look at our trees, look at our backyard, or, or maybe don't look at your backyard if it's not good looking, but go to your front yard or something. Look at somebody else's backyard. I don't know, but get outside and connect with nature. How am I moving my body today? We got to keep on the move. We got to keep moving. We can't, we can't stop. Our hinges get rusty. We got to keep moving. We got to keep taking care of ourselves. I'm learning Tai Chi. <laughs> I've learned quite a bit this break. Number six, what beauty am I either creating, cultivating, or inviting in today? What am I creating of beauty? Is it a game? Is it a better relationship with my kids? Is it a new relationship with my wife? Is it a new, a new connection with one of my kids? Do we discover something we both like? What are you making today? And lastly, who can I encourage today? Be they Christian or non-Christian? I need to keep encouraging others because others need it. And we're all going through the same thing. And we need it because we're getting bombarded. And we need that connection with God. So let's fear a little less and love a little more. Fear less, love more. That's our sermon today. God bless you. I want to close out with this announcement. On May 17th, we're going to take a collection. Really, our fellowship worldwide is taking this collection. For the family of God, some of our brothers and sisters are going through this a lot worse than we are. They're not dealing with scarcity of items. It's not toilet paper they're missing. It's food they're missing. It's medicine, vital medicines they're missing. It's basic necessities of life for them and their children. And you know, in Acts 2, it says that there were no needy among them. There needs to be no needy among our own today. The same, same church, and we need to take care of each other. So we'll be taking a book, a special collection, and we'll give you more news and details about that in the days to come. Thank you. God bless you. Love you. And we'll see you soon. If not in life, in this real and physical life on the camera. God bless you.